0: thanks ever so much for coming back to join us. I want to tell you about a story today from which I learned multiple lessons. We're lucky if we learn one. I think I learned about four from this one. And this was about the occasion of teaching my very first Course in Miracles class. And it seems appropriate and germane to tell you at this time what I've told students and clients for ages, which is, Information that I pass on to you comes from my direct experience and not merely because a book says so or somebody else says so. I won't say with authority this is so until I've experienced it myself. I might say I believe something, but to say I know for sure it's so requires my first-hand experience. So to give you a little background information about the saga of the very first class, I was acquainted with the course and purchased my first set in 1977, a year after it first became available to the public. And it took me about nine months to get enough people really excited about this to start to facilitate a little group, which I did with another very good friend of mine. We didn't know what else to do but to go through it a chapter at a time. I had read it two or three times. Well, I can't tell you how little you know about this when you've only read it two or three times. But nevertheless, we plugged ahead and did the best we could. And during this time, people would call me who somehow found out about this And you have to know that this was so early in the course history that practically no one knew about it. This was still a brand new idea on the world scene. Maybe not a new idea, but it was a new presentation of an old idea. And so as these people would call, they would say, I understand you're doing a course group, may I come? To which I would say, well, no, I'm sorry, but we're going through it one chapter at a time and it doesn't seem like it would be very meaningful for somebody to come in at, say, chapter 17 who didn't know a thing about it, what it was for, how it was written, and it would be just confusing at best. So I said, but I will take your name and if I ever decide to do a class, I'll let you know. Now, I have to smile when I think that there was ever a time in my life that I said, if I ever teach a class, given that I think I've taught about one zillion since then. But at the time, this was a brand new chapter opening up. So more people called and more people called. And finally, I thought, oh, I've got to stop this foot dragging. I was foot dragging because I seemed to be torn between two ideas. I did not want to present myself as an unhealed healer, which certainly I would have been at that point. still am, for that matter. But I also knew that you teach what you want to learn. So I was vacillating about this whole thing, feeling not so much torn as apprehensive. And the real underlying reason for the apprehension was not about teaching per se, I'd taught all kinds of things by then. I taught advanced math in high school. I taught college classes. I would taught classes of all kinds when I worked for IBM. Sometimes I taught a batch in a row. Sometimes I'd be taken off accounts to teach special classes of one kind or the other. So teaching was fun and easy. That was all about passing on information. A Course in Miracles is passing on a belief system, a spiritual practice, a way of life, something that undermines the ego. This was going to be in direct contradiction to one of my most basic learned ideas from the very beginning of my life, which was never offend anybody. Well, I certainly didn't offend anybody at IBM or teaching math classes, but I thought there's no way you can teach this material which is designed to rattle people, without rattling people, and that just seemed a dangerous thing to do. So I was reluctant, but finally some part of me said, you're just going to have to do this anyway. So I called those people, 20-something by this time, invited them to my house on a Thursday evening, and told them all about where it came from, who the people were, what it was for, how it works, a little preliminary information and indicated, because I already had a space available in an office building, that I would start the class the following Tuesday. So all but one person who had a prior engagement on Tuesday nights and could therefore not come, everyone else signed up. And I designed it as three five-week sessions for a total of 15 weeks I think I was trying to save people from my teaching so that if they wanted to gracefully back out after the first five, that would be some sort of a meaningful standalone unit. Well, I needn't have worried because everybody stayed for the whole 15 sessions, but who knew in the beginning what was going to happen with all of this? But here's the first of the several really important lessons. Once I committed on this Thursday night to start a class. The following Tuesday, I thought, oh my God, what have I done? Have I just lost my mind? How can I possibly do this? Because I was not going to do this going through it one chapter at a time business. I was going to somehow present the overarching ideas and purposes and how it works and so on. And I thought, I'm not at all sure that I can wrap my head around this, especially in five days. So, the next morning on Friday, Bob went off to work, and the kids were wherever they were, and I thought, well, I had better sit down and figure out what on earth I'm going to do. So, once I had pen in hand and paper, all of a sudden... It's as if this vast amount of material started to order itself is the best way I can say it. It was almost like visually I could see this huge amount of material and it was coming down exactly like into a funnel into my mind. And I would start to write and write and write just whatever seemed to be logical. This was not automatic writing where I didn't know what was going on. I was a participant in this, but it seemed like I was having a lot of help. So I wrote and wrote, and then I thought, well, I guess I better get up and do some other useful thing that needs doing, and I couldn't do it. I would start to do another chore, and I simply could not focus on it as if I were driven back by something that was the same something that was ordering this material in my mind in the first place. So I got several pages written and got it all organized more or less in my mind and may have tweaked it a little bit over the next few days, But anyway, like gulp, here we go to lesson number one. So as I was getting dressed on Tuesday evening, all of a sudden this awareness comes into my mind and says, and here's the preview for class two. And all of a sudden here was like an idea, well, this would be the obvious next thing to do. I couldn't believe my thought processes, so to speak. So it came to pass that every Wednesday morning, for the next 14 weeks, after I would do this Tuesday night class, the same thing would happen. The next chunk of material would almost download. And I thought at the end, wow, I'm glad I didn't get this all at once. I would not possibly have been able to untangle it. But it came one small bite at a time. So here is the first Absolutely crucial lesson that I learned, and that I hope you learn right now if you haven't already learned it, and that is things are not going to move forward unless you make a commitment. I had not made a commitment up to this point, and so I did not have information. I had no idea how I would do it. But the minute I made a commitment where I could not back out, I didn't say, well, I'm going to think a little while longer about this. I'll let you know. I didn't say, we'll start this in two months. I said, we will start it next Tuesday no l- loopholes through which I could escape. And once that firm commitment is made, then the doors open and they do not open before. Everybody wants a guarantee ahead of time. I will not do this unknown thing unless I get some kind of a guarantee it's going to work out the way I want it to. That's not the way life works. You make the commitment And then, every single resource you need in order to follow through with that commitment, you have. Because in this case, I not only was making a commitment, I was following my guidance. Even though it went through a kind of a torturous process, I was still following what I intuitively knew I needed to do. And here's the second important lesson. On the occasion of teaching this first 15-week class... Somehow I managed, I suppose, not to offend anybody. At least they didn't appear to be offended. They may have been confused, but not offended. So I went on to reduce this 15-week class to a six-week class because I have discovered that the more you know about something, the fewer words it takes to talk about it because your words convey more meaning. So several of these six-week classes later, I got to face my worst nightmare. So during class three of some session, we were discussing the fact that perception creates the world and it's that's an internal process and there's no such thing as an objective world everybody lives in their own world and god didn't create one objective world etc well one lady began to wail she didn't just cry she sobbed and pretty soon she collected all of her stuff and she got up and she ran out the back door crying and crying never to be seen again and i thought well there it is there is my worst nightmare is appearing and and being played out right before me and you know what it just wasn't bad at all so there was something about that process and things that that happened after that that did a lot to undo some of that very substantial, built-in-at-a-survival-level notion of never offend anybody. So a great lesson, when you're being true to yourself, when you're doing what you need to do, if other people find it upsetting and there was no intent to upset her, sometimes that's what happens and I'm still safe. And so is she, for that matter. So a third interesting lesson has to do with those who are to meet will meet. The course talks about that, and so do other practices as well. And in the process of teaching this first 15-week class, there were three women in it whom I had not known before. And by the time it was all over with, those three... The fellow with whom I was presenting this class, I was primarily presenting, and he was my backup person. Um, And a sixth person started an attitudinal healing center. An attitudinal healing center idea was first brought forward by Dr. Gerald Jampolsky out in the San Francisco Bay Area and since has become a worldwide, almost household word for many people. But I think at that time we were the fourth center that was ever established, but that was because of our connection with both Jerry and Bill Thetford, co-scribe of the course. More about him later. So many, many important and helpful and loving lessons were learned in the establishment of our Attitudinal Healing Center, which grew right out of this first class, and makes the point that there are often more reasons for doing anything than we have any idea about in the first place. The last thing that ever occurred to me was about an attitudinal healing center when I felt drawn to teach this class. Wonderful to know that there is a larger awareness we all inhabit that has it all handled. The moral of the story, you can trust your life. It knows where it's going. Fourth big lesson. By the time this class had come to an end, it was the very end of 1979 or sometime early in 1980, in any event, by that time, Bill Thetford, co-scribe of the course, and I had become personal friends. That's a long story I'll tell you about sometime, or you can read it in the biography I wrote about him, Never Forget to Laugh. It's got fabulous material about both him and and the origin of the course in the first place. At some point after finishing that class, Bill was at our house in Denver. He used to come back and forth between San Francisco to Denver, and I would do the same traveling out there to see him. And I showed him this 15-week outline, and he said... I think you should publish this. Now, you have to realize that at this point, it was so new in the course history that Ken Wapnick had written one small little pamphlet. Nothing else whatsoever was available about the course. Practically nobody knew about the big course, much less any ancillary information. I had no idea at the time what an endorsement what a statement that was coming from Bill Thetford, so although I'd been around him quite a lot, he was such a modest and humble man that I didn't know. I only found out later what a famous psychologist he was in his own right, even if he had never had a thing to do with the Course in Miracles, he was world renowned for his tremendous understanding of how the ego was built in the first place, and therefore of course amazingly ironic that he ends up being the person who brings forward the information about how to let it go. But at that point, I didn't realize I should have run to the nearest publisher, a person like Bill Fetford, saying, I ought to publish this. I still can hardly believe I didn't do it, but Nevertheless, my arrogant thought process was, well, yeah, it's, this is pretty good, but once I spend a few more years with the course, I probably would write a better outline. Here's the what was happening there. This material did not have its origin in my intellect. It came from, from something bigger than just merely my intellect, but I didn't understand a lot of that. Well, I understood that it came from someplace bigger, But I thought if I intellectually knew more about this, it would be better. It didn't have anything to do with whether I intellectually knew more about it or not. This material was given. So my lack of awareness about that kept me from, at that moment, doing what needed to be done. Now I did later publish the six-week version of this, and that's still available, and maybe someday, When I finish filming and I finish recording and finish running around, I might actually get that back out and create a proper written document of that. But the idea that somebody of Bill's stature was saying, you should publish this, which would have made it the very first document published about the course, I sometimes think, well, I must have been out of my mind, which of course I was. But anyway, that whole circumstance was rich with learning. And I hope if even one of those things registers with you in some way, it's been worth listening to. Thank you.